Resorts, homes and a newly built hospital have been washed away. No electricity, nothing whatsoever. We need to be prepared for the future. I'm just holding on for dear life here. This isn't fun. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Plan this time before disaster strike. Every natural disaster gets worse. What happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it? And make sure everyone's safety comes first. Save what for dream. You must ready. Clearing roads, restoring critical infrastructure. Eventually, I know it's going to hit. It's only a matter of time. Helping your community. Helping your family. Helping you. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Hi, I'm Fred Hooper, and this is Pacific Prepared. It's a show all about natural disasters, climate change and traditional knowledge, and how these things are all connected. And you'll hear about this through stories from right across the Pacific. Each week, we work with local reporters. They're on the ground letting us know what's happening in this space and what people want to hear about. On today's show, planning for natural disasters isn't always easy, and living with a disability adds an extra layer of thought to that process. We'll hear more soon. Also, young people are learning new skills in Papua New Guinea to help with employment and skills that could help when it comes to natural disasters. And we'll talk about water in Fiji. And it's not the water that might come to mind straight away. You'll find out more soon. That's all coming up. This is Pacific Prepared. What's your plan? Are you ready to leave your home? Plan now before disaster strikes. Pacific Prepared. We know that when disasters happen, it can be chaotic, even though you might have prepared for it. Maybe you've done some drills or you've been through your 72-hour kit to make sure that you've got everything. I wonder what kind of extra steps you need to take when it comes to getting yourself prepared for a disaster if you live with a disability in the Pacific. Samoan Pacific Prepared reporter and 2AP journalist Maui Lutamose has this story. Pacific Prepared in Samoa was able to speak with one of the persons with the special needs. This is Tusinga Taufinga, a principal reporter currently working for the government newspaper, Savali. Tusinga was born without legs and all his life is on the wheelchair. He sits on the wheelchair when he goes to work and after work every day. However, being disabled doesn't stop Tusinga from doing what he loves to do, and that is working as a reporter for the Savali newspaper. Asking Tusinga about what are his plans when a natural disaster strike, he said, If a disaster happens while I'm at work, I rely on my work colleagues to assist me getting out of the building, but at home, I am relying on my family to help me get to a safer place. Tusinga also said that he is ready at any time when an earthquake occurs. He will try his best to find a way to escape while at home, but at work, he will call his mates to help him out. 
Tsusinga explained his experience from the past when a tsunami warning was issued while he was at school in the big island of Savai. All the children were evacuated the building, but he was still there with some of his classmates, waiting for a transport to take him to a safer place at the plantations. However, the school principal at the time told the students to push his wheelchair and leave immediately. I told him now, and I told Fasilani, "Pierre, you take me more." I told that to singers' advice for the people of Samoa, whenever warnings have been issued by the authorities, everyone must prioritize their safety. For families who have special needs relatives, they must assist them by taking them to a safer place. Once I took away father from nature, I loved all to so sorry to singer Taofinga is also a member of the organization of people with special needs called NOLA. And he said that NOLA will need to train their members to understand how to react when natural disasters strike. Samoan Pacific Prepared reporter and 2AP journalist Maui Lutamose with that story. My name is Fred Hooper and you're listening to Pacific Prepared. People's lives have been affected by a disaster. Know what to do. Know what to do. Know what to do. Clearing roads, restoring critical infrastructure. See, all the signs are coming. So we have to prepare. Be prepared. Pacific prepared. You might have heard that saying, you don't know what you don't know. And it kind of suits what we're about to hear about. There's a program running in Papua New Guinea at the moment teaching young people all kinds of skills to get them ready for work, either for the first time or back into the workforce again. The skills that are being taught vary, but they include very practical skills, skills that might also be handy when it comes to natural disasters. 
Papua New Guinea-based Pacific Prepared reporter Diane Waketsi has this story. Papua New Guinea is a country with abundant natural resources and a diverse culture, yet the country continues to face high unemployment rates that have become a significant concern. However, according to Trading Economics, the unemployment rate in PNG was up at 4.87% in 2090, which increased to 7.12% in 2020. While unemployment rates are on the rise, PNG's statistical office does not have the latest and up-to-date facts and figures. The lack of economic opportunities and education and skills training are among the primary causes of unemployment in the country. But thanks to a partnership between the PNG government, the National Capital District Commission and the World Bank, the issue of unemployment for youths is being addressed. Pacific Prepared spoke to Nellet Maui, a volunteer with the Urban Youth Development Program, who helps young people find that second chance in life. Urban Youth Employment Project is, uh, is a life skills training for youth in employment project. Uh, the project development objective is in line with um, NCD Governor Paul Spago. Um, his mission is to assist youths in NCD and the wider port must be become employable and self-reliant uh, to, to be able to contribute meaningfully to the capital city's development plan. This program is a development initiative for the youth of the National Capital District, aiming to make a difference in the lives of young people in Port Mosby by giving them a chance to gain work experience and acquire skills that will help them realize their potential and help improve their employability and lives in general. If a youth shows interest in joining the urban youth, that's the procedure we um, uh, we coach you. Um, first, uh, the urban youth office, yeah, the uh, urban youth officers um, affiliate or works with the ward counselors, and then the ward counselors go out into the um, suburbs, and then they uh, they ask the youths like if they are. If the youths are interested in joining that urban youth, and if they are interested, especially the youth, if they are interested, then they fill the form. But it's for the youths between the age of 16 and 29, not over the age of 29 and not below the age of 16. So these are the youths um, now urban youth are focusing on. So after filling that um, EOI form, which is the expression of interest, the ward counselors take it back to the office and then they start physically screening them. Huh? Okay, once screening them and then they pick out, uh, they pick the eligible ones for the main screening. Um, in our blow, awesome. uh, youths that are able, but for disabled youths too, disabled it's too small too so. Yep. Yeah, so once uh, they pick out the 
eligible youths and then also Salimokamlo. We call enumerators who we are the volunteers and we do um we do interview with them. Okay, once the interview is done, um every, everything goes back to the office and then Sunday or picking morning. Or picking morning according to the one in one marble or one in marble color or picking morning. Like one on old marble color has all got different one and this belong for intake. So now I must say more yellow set or youth inside law. Like now people look local youths, no, must be northwest alone. You know, must be south now, must be northeast. South now, northeast by come by the end of the year. So now alone must be northwest. So who said to youth speaking slab? Yellow plan marble. Now maximal for um ten days basic life training skills. Like if we call classes, blossom, how to be a good or some basic, uh, how or some how ball come a good uh, citizen inside a legally area of long all now from you, native staff. A project mainly targets youths ranging from 16 to 29 years, youths who cannot get a paid job and who are not currently enrolled in any school participate in this project. The project has started in Fort Mosby and has the potential to be replicated to other urban centers in the country to provide a second chance for youths to address the growing unemployment demands. Okay, my advice for the youths who's, uh, who wants to get involved with urban youth is for it's an individual youth's betterment of their own lives. Um, good person, all youths, and um, become through the programs if they take part in that um, urban youth projects. There's second chance to life. Papua New Guinea based Pacific Prepared reporter Diane Waketsi with that story. I'm Fred Hooper, and you're listening to Pacific Prepared. We need to be prepared for the future. Helping you stay safe. We have built a seawall two times, but it did no good. What happens when something goes wrong, and how do they respond to it? Plan this time before disaster strikes. Every natural disaster gets worse. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. A house in Vanuatu has recently helped to save 32 people during Cyclones Kevin and Judy. And it's not the first time it's been used as a shelter during Cyclones. People also used it during Cyclone Pam in 2015. The actual house itself, it's an A-frame shape and the roof carries onto the ground from the centre tip on both sides and it's covered in leaves, long, thin leaves and pieces of what look like a yellow tarp and then there's some large bamboo poles laying from front to back. Inside, the roof has an incredible woven lining, so tight and precise. And the other noticeable thing is the huge black trees that have been used as the support for this whole structure. So when you see that, it's not surprising that this home is so cyclone-proof. 
Pacific Prepared reporter and freelance journalist Florence Fanua has this story. A total of 32 people were saved during Cyclones Chuty and Kevin in a grass house at the Lamnatu area on Tana Island, south of Vanuatu. The grass hut, which is referred to on the island as Nimaleten, or Aus Tana, was built in 2011 using local materials found in the bush. Lesbeth Yaris, whose family owns the house, says during Cyclone Pam in 2015, the same house saved 80 lives. Built from just local materials such as wild cane and coconut leaves for roofing, a unique wild rope found only on the island, and powerful Namariu hardwood trees for the house pillars, Lesbeth Yaris says when Cyclone Chuty and Kevin struck, the residence was able to save 32 individuals. The Tana House, the locally built house, was able to save 32 people inside the house when Cyclone Judy came. Inside the Tana House. Lesbeth revealed that the grass house was built in 2011. House yeah, only been built since 2000. The house was built in 2011. Since 2011, we have not changed the house post. The house post was still standing today with the ropes, she observed. Despite the fact that we had just twice changed the leaves on the roof. Lesbeth gave a description of the home and revealed what supplies were utilized to construct it. We use strong bush ropes that are frequently used in Tana for binding buildings together. The rope is like a cyclone strap for us in Tana. The house pillar was built out of the Nanariu trunks. We utilize coconut leaves and wild cane leaves for the roof, and the leaves were secured to the home using strong bush ropes rather than nails. The house is constructed of uh, natural materials in the Tana bush without the use of nails or iron roofs. Thank you. Lesbeth says although there are other residents of the neighborhood with similar homes, they are a little bit smaller than the grass house her family resides in. The villagers then began to construct similar homes after realizing that the housing could resist cyclones and save many lives. The time to prepare is now, not right before an emergency. No electricity, nothing whatsoever. You are listening to Pacific Prepared. This is Pacific Prepared, and my name is Fred Hooper. Let's talk about water for just a moment. You're in the Pacific. Let's just get some water sounds in here. And can we make it just a little bit more Pacific? Okay, in you go. I'm guessing that you can see all this in your head right now. The water, the diving. But I've got one question. 
Were you on the beach or were you in a river? I think it's fair to say that a lot of people might get a picture of a beach first. I mean, that's what pops up when you say water and the Pacific. But that's exactly what this story is about. There's someone in Fiji who wants people to start thinking more about rivers. Pacific Prepared reporter and freelance journalist Josiah Nunga has this story. Bindia Rajni, who rose to prominence as a freshwater ecologist from humble beginnings, is paving the road for regional students to increase their knowledge and contribute to the development of systems and bodies of information that would aid the Pacific's river systems. Ms. Rashni is currently a PhD candidate at the University of the South Pacific with research interests in climate change, freshwater ecosystems, and hydrobiology. Let's listen to the story. So a, a lot of climate change efforts have been put in the marine sector, in the marine sector uh, of Fiji and the Oceania. And uh, very little is concentrated on what happens to the inland wetlands, freshwater systems, which is more, which is small when it comes to wetted perimeter of the earth and which is also highly threatened compared to other wetlands, uh, even considering the blue carbon um, and all these researches are going on right now. So freshwater wetlands, inland rural communities, uh, that is where I'm centering my application of the research that I do for freshwater wetlands. And this is for community empowerment and more specifically, this is climate resilience capacity building for the riverine communities of Fiji. And uh, I go on developing um, community-centered tools that is user-friendly, age-friendly, education-friendly, and which is easily accessible. And uh, we don't need any technical tools but uh, we use things like bucket, a sieve, tweezer, white trays, uh, and uh, uh, how do you say? Yeah, there's just enough to there's enough tools from any accessible, I mean, easily accessible stores or supermarkets where we can take people down on the ground and we teach them how to monitor their rivers and freshwater sinkhole uh, systems. And uh, more specifically, because of the um, over 1,000 rural rural community water dams, uh, which is beyond the water authority of Fiji's uh, catchments. These are the small dams that the communities need to be able to understand the water quality, the health of the water uh, system, which is uh, critically, uh, how do you say, important, or which is directly related to human health. So basically ecosystem health and human health. And this is a little watershed interventions uh, that I conduct uh, from the research that I uh, do at technical capacity. But then I, um, how do you say, I simplify it into things like taking taxonomy to the ground, putting knowledge into action, these things, uh, so that uh, this is beneficial to the communities, um, considering we don't have a Pacific Rivers Institute, we don't have a freshwater specifically lab where I can teach students or graduate them enough so that there's a workforce out there specifically for inland communities. Right. Yeah. So can you just talk about some of the communities that we have uh, executed this initiative or this project and, uh, you know, how was the response from the, the public or members of the community? Okay. Um, okay. So this is great. Uh, I've reached out to, well, the pilot project was in uh, Drawa, six uh, communities of the Drawa block in Vanua Levu, 2014. That was directly uh, something, an output of a master's, applied ecology and ground. And this was taken at uh, a very excitement level. I would say communities were very interested. 
because the thumb rule and it's the same same reaction I find everywhere I do because uh, we Pacific calendars our thumb rule is we know what we eat so we concentrate when it comes to river system we concentrate on the eels the fish and the prawns it's hardly on the aquatic insects right so the excitement comes when people get to know this ah there's tiny tiny insect creatures living under the aquatic kingdom and they tell you the status of the river health the forest health and uh, this has okay so the first start was banwalebu drawa uh, block community and this was through a live learn live and learn uh, community project live and learn environmental education community project that was the first uh, application of my masters um then we reached out to um uh the remsa site apanaba conservation area through nature fiji nature fiji had a nature fix program with the rivers fiji so i was able to reach out to at least i think 14 matangalis that were taken down by white water rafting activity as part of the remsa site white water tourism and uh, this gave them satisfaction to see that the efforts of conservation over the years has uh, they were able to notice a lot of green species there which indicates that uh that it is a very um how to say ecologically healthy ecosystem and they doing their part right then we reached out to um Banwalebu again 15 villages of the Draketi River catchment and because Draketi River uh, input is a huge deal when it comes to the only other Ramsar site which is a marine uh, Ramsar site the Golingoli Dokovata in Banwalebu so uh, we we trained uh, or through a workshop with PBAC project Pacific Ecosystem Based Climate Change Adaptation Program we trained 15 villages which falls within the upstream to downstream network that uh, these are the riverine communities that combine to form the Dakati River catchment riverine communities and this uh, tool was used there uh, to aid with the management of uh, water quality management or the how do you say the coral reef health management of the Golingoli Dokovata and then we reached out to um Tailevu so Tailevu uh, this was through volunteer work with the SEEP organization Natanredabe Delacando villages and there we train the young girls in the villages for them to become the voice in the Vanua the voice for the rivers um Costelevu has been undergoing a lot of gravel extraction and uh, uh there has been little to no awareness on the aquatic biodiversity and the changes hydromorphology changes or geomorphology changes in the river system so of course we cannot tell them that this is wrong but of course if they see the things happening and they uh through the change in the ecosystem it would be easier for us because like we say our biodiversity speaks for the vanua so it's easier for them to notice it themselves i i just take the tool and i tell them how to use it and interpret it and they're able to see the proof i'm Josiah Nanunga reporting from Fiji disaster is part of our life and recovering is also part of our life as you see they're smiling despite the devastation that's how we are you are listening to pacific prepare Pacific Prepared is supported with funding from the Australian Government's Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Any views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the Australian Government. It's produced and distributed in partnership with Radio Australia and networks across the Pacific, including Radio New Zealand Pacific, National Broadcast Corporation of Papua New Guinea, Palau Wave Radio, Fijian Broadcasting Corporation, Samoa National Radio 2AP, Solomon Islands Broadcasting Corporation and Tonga Broadcasting Commission. If you're working on something that's related to this program, keep us informed so that we can tell everybody about it. Maybe you've got a story idea, a personal experience to share, 
a topic to cover or someone that you think we should meet, the easiest way to get in touch is to search for Pacific Prepared and then scroll down to the Connect With Us section. You can also listen back to the program if you just type Pacific Prepared into your search engine, then you'll find us. Part of the aim of this program is to start conversations about disasters. What would you do and how we prepare? We're trying to help you make the next disaster easier for you and your family. My name is Fred Hooper. Please share any information that you've learned today and stay safe. This has been Pacific Prepared. <laughs>